You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift, and with me this afternoon is my legendary, never faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, and the eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative Gibbles and Bits. Boys, we're doing a bonus episode this week. We're doing a little, uh, a little boom, 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 bonus, 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 extension, little, yeah, bonus time, uh, which is exciting. It's exciting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Runeterra. We saw uh, an unexpected uh, little spoiler, um, and we were like, you know what? I think we need an emergency mm-hmm. episode, like uh. So I don't know what episode this is, like 64 or something, but it's it's a emergency episode 64 ruination. I like edition. the episodes really matter because when we got to 50, we didn't do anything cool. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It it matters to the algorithm, man, but they don't even know what we're on. Maybe I, I don't I, I'm not even I'm not even 100 percent sure. But either way, we decided that we were going to do. Uh, a special bonus episode because of all of the content that we have coming. And it was just kind of like, you know, the Riot team was like, you wanted content? Let me give you content with a side of content in a dessert content. Uh, because there's uh, there's a lot you coming our way. But uh, what have you guys been playing? Yeah, I mean, we've had like a week. We didn't even have a week last time we recorded to experiment with new stuff. Now we've had a week to experiment with the new stuff. I am really curious. No, I want to know the one deck that you have been like, Oh man, I'm just hooked on this thing right now. Like I really like I really like this deck. Uh it's been like the most fun thing in, in week we, two for what you. If, uh, what Ian, if we what about all you? Try to say it at the same time because I kind of have a feeling it might be the same thing, even if it's different, oh, even if it's the board? different versions. I'm not sure about sure. Gibby, but Let's I know Mark this... and I have the same one, I think. Okay, we'll, we'll just say it all out loud at the same time. Ready? Three, two, Yetis. one, Yetis. Woo! Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> yetis it is. We on the Yeti train, boys. <laughs> yeah, but I think different some different iterations yeah. of Yetis. Am I yeah, right about to, that? To a degree, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I thought so. So uh tell me about your Yeti Yeti deck, DBN. I'm okay, well, uh it's really Gibby and I have kind of been uh working on it together. Um so it's not really, you know, mine per se but uh we we have kind of uh, teched in some different things over time but basically uh, we're, we're we're kind of focusing on sedge uh as the you know overwhelmed pushing uh vulnerable giving frostbite granting and whatever uh amazing champion that she is even if you don't get her leveled like her level one is just so bonkers plus with the addition of battle fury uh between the ancient yeti and her you can usually push some some sneaky lethals so um Kind of trying to shore up the deck's sometime, occasional struggles with late game um, by having a more clean, um, you know, lethal push. But, I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the core Yeti package remains the same, of course. And, um, I mean, right now, um, you know, my version is still in PNZ. It runs Time Tricks because that card is bonkers. You know, uh, Practical yeah, Perfectionist, etc. Um, no Echo because I was finding that Echo... It was just getting removed a lot, um, so, you know, just because I, I was it was more of a meta tech. I mean, if, if there was less uh, TF Swain, less PNZ out there, I would I would consider putting Echo back in. But 
right now that's I'm running into that a lot. So it just gets killed as soon as it hits the board. So I'm like, all right, I need to put something else in because I'm wasting four mana on a card. Um, so and if I don't have troll chant on, so that instead turn. you, I mean something that also works really well with that. When it's dying instead of running that, you could run the three mana two you know four um, that copy stuff this on support, which is. <laughs> In we don't need to deck, have this conversation sure. again. PNZ <laughs> is to get that card in your deck, I think. Uh, Gibbles, you playing a similar style of deck to yeah. uh, what DBN that Frailyard PNZ right now? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Frailyard PNZ is. Um, I think the copy tools are strong enough, and they really make the deck hum. There's other versions out there I know that work, and so this isn't the only route you yeah. can go, but uh, it's the one that's fit my play style. I, I bet. do want to try the Noxus um, one that I saw on. I think team leviathan although i think it was a team leviathan yeah i tried yeah, it i, I want to try it it's just a different yeah. style it's just a different style you it's think like a little bit more about how you utilize your yetis yeah i feel like it's less all well, yeah. than the yetis because you're not cloning them not necessarily cloning them but you're using them more as a, as a combat tool with some of the striking so it's yeah you have less of a wide board but your board is a little bit more That's useful right, right. And you can get some of that reputation stuff going to draw too, because mm. uh, you got whispered words, and you can get LeBlanc, you can get Ash in that list, or swap Ash out for Zajwani, get LeBlanc Zajwani in that list. Uh, I've seen, I've, I've run up against that a couple of times. I actually run against one that was just LeBlanc. There was nothing else, you know, it was just LeBlanc was the only champion. It was Yeti LeBlanc. And, uh, it was also pretty strong. I think I ended up losing that one in the end because whispered words is just, really strong and then you can also run the uh trifarian assessor to be able yeah. like get two three eddies on the board draw two three cards it's a lot of there's a lot more draw option but well maybe not a lot more there's there's a good draw option but not quite as much uh copy yeti option yeah. right which is so i've been playing yeah. echo echo uh is the only champion in mine and uh, have done pretty well with it i i i broke into gold last night um my couple games today did not go so well, but I broke into gold last night with it, which I was really happy with because I haven't played on ladder since I have not tried to ladder since I hit plat back in like November um, of 2020. Um, so it's been a while since I've been like pushing. So I'm like, I'm like kind of actively pushing right now because the game's just in such a great place and Yeti's being able to like turn three, turn four, explode like two extra five fives out on board feels pretty good. It feels like two free five fives. Like, yeah. Oh, it, I always <laughs> keep the abominable guardian in hand. I like, I'll find a way to get him on the board. You, early, know, it, you know, it definitely has one of the most RNG based, uh, couple turns. Like if you, like you literally can just dump five, five Yetis on turn two, if you get lucky enough, like, it's a little uh, <laughs> fun, so fun, so fun. But maybe just a little concerning uh, for like the RNG fiesta. But I'm, I'm. It's like not hearth, nowhere close to Hearthstone levels, so I'm cool. It's yeah, calculated it's risk. Like, yeah, people know. Like, there's something you can play around. Like, you have to remove the Yetis if you stop them from having two yeah, Yetis on board in early game. Sometimes you can stop the big push, you know. Sometimes you can't stop 5-5 five, five Yetis because, I mean, I have even found times where it's like, I know that I have, like, a duplicate spell in hand or, you know, like, practical whatever it is. And so, like, turn two, I, like, I pass turn one, turn two, I just, uh, I throw in the... Uh, 
the Tall Tales just to throw 5-5 five, yep. five on top of my deck just so I know I can draw one mana 5-5 five, five and copy it the next round. Um, you know, like, just that. Like, I, I never thought I would want to play Tall Tales to put one on top of my deck, but it's like, even if they remove your Yeti Yearling and you put the 5-5 five, five on top of your deck, you're still not disappointed because right. it's like, I'm still drawing a one mana 5-5 yeah, five, five And, and that's round, the so. thing. So, like, Tall Tales, uh, like, before Abominable Guardian, Tall Tales was like, ah, I mean, if I have nothing better to play, okay, fine, I'll play it. But now, because because putting a five, five a one mana five five on your deck on the top of your deck isn't that great, um, you know, because that that's three that's a total of four mana over to get a five five over two turns, right? That's pretty bad. But of course, because you now have the added synergy, um, you know, it, it is now worth that investment, uh, you know, in order to get those abominable guardians down. It's a it's a completely different scenario. Because you're not just playing for a 5-5, you're playing for a 5-5 and another 5-5. Yeah, it shifted from a mediocre payoff to a mediocre to good payoff, also an enabler into an even better yeah. payoff. It, it's almost a middleman card now that is... Uh, I, I don't, how many copies of it do you run in your, your deck, Mark? Uh, the Abominable Guardian or Tall Tales? Tall Tales. Three, yeah. Okay, so you... So, you I think at I'm one like, point I thought saw I saw that you were only running one or one or two of them, or maybe that's the, the Noxus wild, list. I, I saw uh, only one. Yeah, I'm running one copy of Call yeah. of the Wild, so I'm running three Yeti Yearlings, uh, three Abominable Guardians, three uh, Avarosan Trappers, three uh, Tall Tales, one Call of the Wild, and then I'm also running the three of the Yeti that is a five-five with Overwhelm for seven that discounts every round. Because I've actually found is like pretty often like the, if they, if they're not doing anything in the early game on turn four if that starts in your hand you can play that and if you have three bank spell mana and a tall tales on turn four you can get two five fives on board and then dump oftentimes another five five on board uh you know going into turn five you can like you're going into turn five you have three five fives or you know sometimes you're like three five fives into an open attack which is those are oftentimes the games that I almost certainly win. Um, uh, it's really, really, really lethal. I, I played a game today against, uh, something that I found really interesting. It was, uh, it was running a Philios, but with P and Z, um, to get the sump work posse going. Um, but the Philios was running with the, uh, the tri-beam, whatever it is, the five mana, you know, shoot stuff for everything that you played yep. that cost three. And, uh, that was really unique and fun because, uh, let's just put, I mean, there, there's a lot of three cost stuff you're getting from the Aphilios cards that he generates. I didn't even think of that. Like he just blasted me for nine damage towards the end of the game. One of my Yetis, uh, and, and pulled out a swift foot on me. And that did you know, not feel great. A shame <laughs> when I was, uh, going through the <clears throat> patch notes, right. Um, I saw Aphelios got bumped to a three, three. And I said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to make an Aphelios Tribeam Improbulator deck. This is going to be really interesting. Like, look at that. And Aphelios is stickier now that he's back to three. Like, you know, weirdly with Improbulator, like him, his spells going to three might actually be beneficial. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Kept scrolling, kept scrolling. Oh, Improbulator got nerfed. And then I got, they thought and then I got less high on the on the <laughs> idea. I mean, five mana, like, it's, the card's not dead, but, but five mana is a harder sell because... You know, before if you if you think if you thought about like um you play two, three spells, three cost spells, and you get the improbulator charged by two, right? So like, you know, you get a, a two drop and you do tail dam or a three drop and you do three damage. 
right? Like that was the average you sure. could do, mm-hmm. and it had to sit in your hand for a while, um, for four mana. That's pretty good, right? The thing is, is that five mana, that's just okay. And five mana, deal one, summon a one drop, because that's what you top deck, is straight up garbage. So it's just, it's such Mm -hmm. a hard sell, but I think it's a great idea. I mean, I had it, but it's a a dope idea. It's just, uh, it was just a shame to, to see the improbability get the hit, because I, I don't know if it needed it after, like, the rummage hit. Like... I, I think they could have. I think they could have just lot, yeah. hit rummage, and it would have been like fine. I never had issues with Ezreal Draven. I get how good it was, but um, the the tribeam hit seemed maybe a little excessive. But we don't. We're not here to discuss that. We've got new cards. No, no, we're we're here to discuss new yeah. cards and also you know overall state of the game stuff oh, right. tonight. Uh, we figured there we got. So the reason we're doing an emergency episode is we got an extra. We got two champions, which. I don't know about you, you guys. I was not expecting that. Uh, did either of you guys think we were getting a second champion with this set? I am not someone that is digging through code and is trying to mine for data out ahead of when it comes out. Like an extra like day, I'm just like, I'm just going to wait for it to come out and just be patient. Um, but I did not have any inkling, nor did I really see much, that we were getting extra champions. I think everybody was really skeptical that I think it was the second or third day of the ruination reveal that we had got some extra additional cards and some support followers and things like that for the the ruination theme or even the sentinel theme and it was it was cool and i think everyone kind of expected it to keep that that uh that momentum but just just continue to be followers or spells because that's what historically what we've gotten and then at the end of one of the cinematic trailers or not you know even cinematic but which one of the the kind of just picture picturesque yeah, uh-huh. just trailers they showed Diego and I think everyone kind of knew that maybe we were going to get him eventually but and everyone was saw him and was like no there's no way like it's, it's there's still another week and a half until we get uh until we get the the patch drops or till the, the event begins and then the next day they dropped him and I think that took a lot of people by surprise that Mm-hmm. They started wondering, well, is there more? There, there's no way that they're going to cap the hype day three of a 10-day reveal for an event. Sure. There's got to be more, but I wonder what else. So it, it, it it's cool because it left everybody on their toes about what, where do they go from here? What else is left? Yeah, and actually that's kind of still the opinion that I have because a lot of times the day before the patch releases is they do their biggest reveal. You know, Echo comes out the day before everything comes out. Azir comes out the day before everything comes out. Um, And I'm still kind of left like thinking, you know, is there a chance at a third champion? Uh, I, I, you know, so if you guys don't know the Ruination event, if you don't play LOL, which none of us do, is a big event that's going on right now with uh, the the. The release of a champion that we're not going to talk about this week, we're, or not this episode, we're going to talk about it on Monday. We're just going to cover Viego and some support cards today. Um, and it's like Viego and his sort of like corruption of various things against the forces of light, the Sentinels of Light. And the Sentinels of Light is led by 
this new champion we're going to talk about on Monday. But in addition to that, it's like Lucian and Senna are sort of like major, major players in the Sentinels of Light. Uh, you know, Riven is a Sentinel of Light. Irelia, I think, is a Sentinel of Light. And like Karma and Shavana are corrupted and Draven is corrupted and becomes sort of like a, a minion of Viego, uh, you know, this Shadow Isles themed champion. So we're, we're like crossovering with that because there's a big crossover event with this going on in Teamfight Tactics. The Sentinels of Light is a big, big push with tons of new skins and all sorts of cosmetics for League of Legends. And now we're also going to be getting that crossing over into uh, Legends of Runeterra. And I think that's really cool because this is the first like genuine big crossover event that we're seeing that is in universe with the rest of this stuff. So I'm just curious, like DBN, do you have a, a thought on that? Because it's, you know, it's more than what we expected, but it seems to be at the hands of, well, we're, we're doing a big crossover event with, you know, League of yeah, Legends. No, if anything, my only thought on that is that it's a really good sign for LOR's longevity, just to see them really tie into um, the stuff they're doing with their main flagship game. Um, you know, uh, it, it's a common thing. It's not that it's not that it's really that surprising because like that's what Blizzard does all the time and you know that that's that's cool but but it's more like affirming that they like LOR and what it's doing and what it's offering and they want to continue supporting that. That's a good sign and um yeah, I I uh I couldn't be happier to see this sort of cross promotion, especially, um, you know, very publicly stated. Um, I'm still waiting to see uh, LOR get some sort of uh, advertisement. Like I've been seeing all of these mm. uh, ruination um, ads on Twitch. I've been getting them all over the place. Like they must be shelling out the big bucks, but Unfortunately, it only ever uh, promotes League of Legends, and I would have loved to have seen, you know, in the bottom corners, you know, LOR and Teamfight Tactics. Like, just the, the full the full yeah. brand promo would have been pretty cool, if you ask me. But I, again, I mean, I, I think it's just a good sign for the game that, you know, not only, not only uh, is, is it being tied into the events, but getting that champion that is you know, in this game where it's also going to be a new champion at the same time in LOL and TFT, that's a really big vote of confidence, if you ask me. I, I agree. And I think it would have been nice to have it, especially because, like, Teamfight Tactics is in the League of Legends client, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's in client. So when you log in to play League, you can also click on TFT. Well, LOR, like uh, Valorant, is an entirely different client, yet it's mm -hmm. in the same universe where Valorant is an entirely different world, right? Um, and so I think it would have been nice if we saw, you know, a Legends of Runeterra and League of Legends crossover event, and it would have hopefully drawn more people into Oh, I love the concepts and the storyline here. I also want to see how's that played out. Like, I want to see Viego as a card. I think Viego as a champ is cool. It would be cool to see Viego as a card. Um, so I do wish that we would have had more of that. Or I love the Sentinels, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and we're gonna talk wow. next episode about the skins because skins look awesome. Um, we're real. I'm real. I mean, we haven't seen seen them yet, but mm -hmm. like the promo stuff for it looks amazing. And for what it's worth, um, it's me. I mean, it's possible. I, I guess I have to cover my ass here. 
Uh, it's possible that I, I'm not seeing those ads based because, you know, if there is an ad for TFT and or LOR, and maybe I'm just not seeing them because I'm not watching as much CCG stuff right now. The only thing I, the only time I really watch live uh, CCG stuff on, on Twitch is when there's a tournament. Um, I, I almost never mm -hmm. watch live streams because I will just go play the game myself. It's the games that I don't play as often or maybe the ones I'm not as good at that I like to watch because then I feel like I learned something. Sure. Uh, and I've been watching a lot of uh, Dota, you know, because there's a big tournament going on right now. And so maybe that's why I'm only getting the the league ones, you know, because because um, it's a mobile. Sure. Yeah, you would be getting yeah. it from them. Yeah. Well, and I do know because I have read a little bit of... I don't want to say some spoilers, but I did see a document of some perspective or projected content that they think is going to be paired along with the release of the Ruination event. There still is plenty of time. I'm going to give Ryan a little bit of grace here. I think there still is plenty of time for if they plan to put out any ads or if they plan to do any extra promotion, they still can. Like That is still within the realm and time of space that they could put something out to the public as the date gets closer to the actual release of it or while we're in the event. However, it sounds as if, from what I've read, even if it's not full-fledged ads on their own pushing this event, the I agree with you, DBN, the encouragement that they are combining this with League of Legends, and I see there's some other additional creative promotions that they are going to be doing, either just for LOR or uh, it kind of bleeding into the real world and having kind of a real world effect, um, like with charities or things like that. I've read I've read some stuff that might be, um, depending on what you choose, there might be uh, charity effects to mm -hmm. that that Rai is going to contribute. Cool. Um, that that is encouraging because they are branching out ideas and making LOR not just a, hey, here's a release of cards and have fun and here's a cool little skin and track for you to buy for 10 bucks and get some cool cosmetics. They're they're getting more creative with it, which tells me that it's becoming a bit more of a forefront pillar of their uh, content, of their of their their streamers, producers, whatever it might be. Uh, they're, they're spending more time and investment internally on, on Legends yeah. of Runeterra. Sure, it's it's become clear that that LOR is becoming more in their ecosystem, right? And I think that that naturally, what comes along with that is funding. What comes along with that is manpower. What comes along with that is is you know new content. Um, and hopefully, what will come along with that too is a big tournament. I know we have Worlds coming up not too long from now, but they haven't really. It's nothing like what Hearthstone Worlds was. Like Hearthstone Worlds was such a big deal. It was a big deal in the esports scene. Period. Let alone just the card game, uh, you know, genre. And I hope that we see something sort of similar and a resurgence into the card game genre with a big prize pool tournament. Um, you know, hopefully after the world tournament this year, we get like an announcement of something, you know, really big for next year. That is oftentimes what they do. It's sort of like, you know, the fall is like their world season for League of Legends it will be for LOR. And hopefully on the other side of that, then we see, you know, then they release like, oh, this is, we're changing all of this stuff on the Rift or we're changing all of this stuff in the game or we're adjusting all of these champions. And here's the projection and, and the, the art for, you know, theory art and stuff behind what we're going to be doing for skins and new champs. And you can expect this, this, and this. 
And I'm kind of hoping we get something very similar to that with LOR this year that we get with League of Legends, which we don't, we haven't gotten with LOR as much. Um, it's like, okay, we're we're really in full-fledged, you know, this isn't our ecosystem. This is a place where we're concentrating. And, you know, we really want to continue to platform the game because it, I, if for the investment that they made right here, like what we're seeing coming out with this little event that's coming out only two weeks after the, you know, the finalization of the last, uh, the last series of expansions is like, that's crazy to me. Like the content and the manpower that was needed to be able to put this together has to be pretty insane. Like they've dumped a lot of money into this particular thing, you know? Well, I think you hit on a good point, just the time frame. It would very much appear that the time frame of the Ruination event, because they do, they did marry it up with League of Legends releasing of this new champion, they very much form fit the time frame of this event around that, and they pushed the rest of the content out for Rise of the Underworld early because it would have felt a little empty had they just released two new champions after months and months. So they pushed the Underworlds out quicker, even though it, I think it was done fantastic. It was done very well. Mm -hmm. The cards are awesome. The release, everything they did in the patch notes. You're right. The manpower that need, they needed in order to get Underworlds out early, I think is a bigger testament because, I mean, Ruination to me, the Ruination event has been long coming is what it sounds like. I can't imagine adding a new champion and centering something around in League of Legends is any small feat in its own either. So the amount of foresight that they had knowing that they were going to add this champion to League of Legends and they communicated that to the Legends of Runeterra people within Riot, they've been working on that probably for quite some time, but it was probably the push for the, for the Underworlds getting that out cuz that was that was a lot of that was a lot of new cards, a lot of new champs, a lot of new cosmetics and things like that, even the the beach event before that which wasn't far before underworlds coming out mm -hmm. the the amount of content that they pushed in lor that wasn't the ruination event i think is a testament to the amount of time and investment that they've been putting into it yeah absolutely i think i saw something that said they take like they're they're in development for something like this for like two years um before before it's released which means before league of legends or like not League of Legends before LOR was uh, released in in open beta, um, you know they were working on the Ruination event, um, which is is kind of wild to me. And I don't know what working on really means. It's like oh yeah, we are thinking about it for fifteen minutes a week yeah. for the next year, or if it's like we're actively working on it. I would I would assume it no. doesn't mean that it's you know it's taking up forty hours of work of multiple staff. I think it's just like yes, working on it means it's been placed on our calendar. We are aware of its existence, um, but that's still cool. Like you know that this you know just goes to show they've got they got their hands on it. You know they got their finger on the pulse of it pretty well. Um, I don't know. You guys want to talk about some cards, though? You want to discuss sure. some cards here? Oh, boy, do I. Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in with Viego. Uh, Viego is going to be a new Shadow Isles champion. The five mana, five, four with Fearsome says each round, the first time an ally dies, summon an encroaching mist. His level up is I've seen allies with a 20 plus total power die. Encroaching mist is a one, one ephemeral that says when I'm summoned, grant all allied Viegos and other encroaching mists everywhere. 
plus one plus one. So these things will grow. Those more allies that you kill, of course, goes along with the dragons. Once he's seen 20 plus power of allies die, which will happen with these encroaching mists as well because they are ephemeral. It says each round, the first time, he, he levels up to a five mana, six five, of course, with fearsome that says each round, the first time a unit dies, summon an encroaching mist. So this does not have to be an allied unit. It can also be an enemy unit. If an enemy unit dies, you also are going to summon an encroaching mist, but only one per round. And then it says round start, steal the strongest enemy this round. If it's a champion, kill it instead. If it's a champion, kill it instead. We can get into the other two cards that go along with this, but I'm just looking for first impressions. DBN, how about you go first? What was your first impression on seeing Viego, seeing his level up, all of the encroaching mist, this whole this whole package? Okay, here. so this guy's really, really cool. Um, but I have two I have two thoughts on it that, that maybe people won't won't love, but these are my thoughts. Uh, the first thought is uh, this is going to piss off a lot of people. Like I think this has, this is going to be like a Yasuo style, like unfun to play against kind of uh, champion. Um, if people hated Nab, and this was literally a conversation that I had uh, with uh, Deadbroke Dad or Dadbroke Nerd, whichever you prefer. Like we were talking about Viego, <laughs> and um, and he even brought it up. He was like, people are gonna hate this. He's like, I was like, what are you talking about? It's kind of cool. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, not not to play it, but if people didn't like their cards being stolen from the bottom of their deck so much that they had to nerf it twice, he's like, they're going to hate getting their unit stolen even more. I was like, ah, that's actually a pretty good point. Um, but I will say um, my biggest thing is I actually just, I'm not convinced this is good. I actually think Viego uh is is gonna be overall weak there might be a build that can optimize for him to be good but i think you know him being this i i just don't i just guess i just don't see it like he has to see your allies to to level so that means he has to sit on the board and gibby and i've been playing a lot of kindred and that dude gets iced 90 percent of the time he comes down on turn five like same, same defensive, defensive stat. stat. Mm -hmm. uh, no quick attack, which means you have to. Oftentimes, you can't attack with him. Um, he's going to be try to sitting on the back row for as long as possible. And I don't. I don't know. I. I think Viego looks way scarier than he actually is. Um, you know, summoning the encroaching mists is interesting. No, not going to lie. And and at least with, you know, comparing to Kindred, at least on that turn that he comes down. You know, you could potentially chain a glimpse um, before he gets killed by uh, whatever and then get an encroaching mist for the round. Um, but I, I think there's just going to be a lot of things that are going to basically say, oh, you have Viego? Well, it's going to take you some time for him to see everything. That gives me time to kill this guy who has no, uh, you know, built-in defense. Like, there's, there's nothing about Viego that protects him. And Shadow Isles has really bad protecting. Like, they don't protect their stuff. So that means you'd either have to pop over into another faction that can protect things, um, and that still doesn't block you from Will of Ionia, Vengeance, you know, whatever. So I, I, I think, cool, but I think Viego is going to fall flat. Just my prediction. And I'm happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong, because, again, he's cool. But 
So one of the things I just want to point out, of course, he does grow. So he doesn't have the same stat line as Kindred. Kindred has his one less attack. And I'm only saying this because I I talked in an episode recently about how weak I felt Kindred was because he had no protection and Shadow Isles doesn't have good protection. It's worthy to know that there is another card in this set, a three mana, three, three Camavorian mm. soldier that reads, when I am summoned, summon an encroaching miss. So if you can get one of these down, before you place your Viego on turn five, which you likely can, that's not unreasonable. About um, by turn five, to have found two cards, yeah, to found two cards. So he could come down. Maybe you can pair this with a glimpse. So before he dies, but let's just say you get one of these down and you can sack something. He comes down as a six-five, which a six-five is significantly harder to get rid of on turn yep. five than a five-four. And if you can kill something, you know, then you have a seven-six on turn five, which is potentially pretty menacing. It's pretty menacing. You still, though, he's kind of like weird because he he will have these growing stats, but you really only want to do that to keep him alive because you want to backline him until he levels up, and then once he levels up, you definitely want to backline and, and, him. And right? again, um, okay, okay, his stats might be a little bit bigger than just a 5-4 on the turn he comes down, but it won't be much bigger. And unlike Kindred, where you really do kind of have to kill it on the first two turns that it exists... I would say that this, you know, unless you can really combo out pretty hard and you have the right things in the right scenario, this Viego is going to take three to four turns to level unless you have the perfect storm, right? So that gives them three to four turns to chip away at him and finish him off, you know? Sure. And uh, I mean, and, you know, Ken Kindred's nice because you have the quick attack so that you can actually pressure with it. Um, and this guy again, you don't want him to get hurt because then they'll just finish him off with whatever removal they've got. I, 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 I mean, cool. Again, very cool effect. Level up is really neat. I like the encroaching mist synergies. It's neat. I just, I'm just worried that it's going to be, it's going to have like a a kindred malphite vibe where people are going to try to play it and then they're going to have a harder time with it and then it's going to start fading away in favor of things that are more that are easier to accomplish, like, a, a, you know, champs that are easier to level. Two words, black spear, because you can assume if there's a bunch of new Shadow Isle stuff coming out, and I think they're also outside of Viego, there is some very redeeming support cards, uh, maybe not necessarily his support cards, but there are other very redeeming Shadow Isles cards coming out with this set that is going to create a very relevant and probably very fun tempo-ish build with dragons that we've already talked about most of that package uh, in a previous episode. But the I think there is going to be legs to a Shadow Wilds Demacia dragons build, kind of kill your own stuff off that is going to be a little bit more uh, quickly rewarding using kind of the buffs with fury and whatnot that will not take so long to build up steam, will hold a board, will be a bit more menacing. I don't think Viego fits into that package, really. I agree with DBN. I think this is going to be a bit of a flat champion. We, the more Shadow Isles you have relevant, or the more Shadow Isles that's being played in the game, and the more metas you have where Shadow Isles has uh, decks that people are playing with, Black Spear is a huge tool within Shadow Isles. It's almost, you almost consider it in, in almost every Shadow Isles deck. Maybe not make it in every Shadow Isles deck, but it's always within the consideration. Mm -hmm because it's such a cheap and synergistic removal tool because you're killing off your stuff almost in any Shadow Isles deck, especially with now all the slay 
that is is out there. I think Black Spear is going to murder him because what only, what, yeah, what happens? The only you situation play would be if they hit the Camavorn soldier before that to take him to five. But if they didn't hit that, there's no other way to get the encroaching mists out early that I have that I'm aware of. Um, Doesn't appear have, to be they, so far. We haven't like seen one, any. If they had a, even one more card that comes down before Viego, they could put down a mist before. Then I would like maybe rethink my stance. But uh, again, like just a just one three drop, you know. And if you're waiting to drop Viego until turn seven or eight. Then you start looking at well, what else could I? What other seven to eight cost cards could I be playing instead? You know what I mean. So if you're having to wait that long consistently, well, nothing that steals your opponent's yeah, stuff. Well, you almost have to run chain vest. <laughs> like you almost have to have a chain vest in the waiting. You if have you're to. You play. have to have defensive if, tricks. Is the is the bottom line, which is okay. Like it, it, you know, you you can do that. I'm just saying, combined with the fact that he comes down late, and the fact that you know, and five is the. Five to me is the like early part of late. You know, he comes down later in the game at turn five. There's a lot three. going on by turn five, considering most champs are three and four costs, right? So there's a lot mm. going on on the board usually by the time you get to turn five. And he comes down on turn five. Uh, it, you know, he he's he's vulnerable at four defense, maybe five, but he then still has to stick around for a while to even get to the point where he levels. And if they kill him before, then you have to start all over with another copy. It's just too punishing, right? And, and like, I look at this compared to, like, I'm comparing this in my head to something like Heimerdinger, right? Which doesn't see a lot of play. But you can drop Heimerdinger, uh, you know, even later in, you know, later in the game, spam a bunch of spells, get a bunch of free units on the board. He can make up his value if you play him later in, in the, in, you can play him on five and hope that he sticks and hope that you can then establish a ton of value for the next couple turns. But if you play him later in the game on, you know, turn 10, you can spend the rest of your mana at burst speed spells and get some value before he gets killed. And Viego comes down on turn seven, eight, nine, and does a cool voice line cool yeah I, he's really he's interesting because his payoff is enormous yeah. i mean there are champions that have similarly incredible payoffs that are you know easy to remove um and so zoe for example has an insane payoff it's not exactly easy to level her up she's never going to level up the turn that you play her you're going to have to keep her alive for multiple rounds and she's very easy to remove um, but she does see play because her, if you can get her payoff to pay off, it's well, enormous. And she comes down right? early. Um, and she comes, and is she comes down early. Elusive, so fair. you can you have to work well, to kill her. Yeah, sure. And I, I'm not I'm not saying that Viego and Zoe are uh, you know apples for apples. I'm just pointing out that cards with a massive enough payoff like Viego's typically have a deck where they find where people really want to protect it. And we'll try to play around it. And then, then this brings me to my point, which is this. Who are you pairing Viego with? What champion or faction are you preparing are you pairing Viego with? Because my initial reaction was like, okay, there is a Shivana skin coming that I'm going to buy so that I own two Shivana skins, which is ridiculous. Um, so that I can play Viego, Shivana, Demacia, and Shadow Isles, sort of self-slay. Uh, dragons, steal your stuff deck. But I also think that Viego is probably good paired with Kindred, is probably good paired with 
uh, Callista. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Callista is a, a good pairing for for Viego. Um, might be good paired with uh, Targon um, because you're getting some protection there. I think that maybe actually Viego with Zoe type of because Zoe's so good no matter where That's you true. play her. Um, it could be could be good. Um, there's the opportunity for maybe Viego Aphilios, um, because Aphilios got a little bit of buff um, because Aphilios, you know, digs into your deck. Um, so I think that this what I love about Viego and what we're going to talk about on Monday's episode is the sheer insane versatility of this card. This card does not come in and say, here is what you want to play me with. It says there is a lot of places that you have that you could play me with. So I'm, I'm just curious, where was your brains at? What do you want to try to pair Viego with right away? Well, um, I think you're right uh, at one point when it comes to Viego being uh, super, I guess, inobvious, right? It's it's not clear mm-hmm. where it's supposed to go like some other, you know, uh, Pike, Rek'Sai, um, and, you know, TK Soraka. Although I want to say that I don't think Pike Rexai, I think I think Pike will break free of that eventually. Um, yeah, Pike's crazy yeah. strong. <laughs> um, but but that said, um, I think that that actually doesn't have very much to do with Viego. I'm gonna I'm gonna hot take it here and say that 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 factor that you're talking about has more to do with all of the all of the Shadow Isles um, sub themes are cohesive. This is hmm. something I talked about a long ass time ago. It, and and it, and it remains true. Shadow Isles is the most cohesive faction. As in, if you take a you know um, uh, ephemeral sub theme, right? Well, ephemerals trigger deaths, so then it also triggers to things that want to be last gasp centric. Callista, in this case, Viego, right? Because your things are dying. You know, um, sure. If you have things that uh, like spiders, spiders are sub theme. Well, what are they? A lot of little tokens. So what do little tokens do? They die, right? Um, so mm-hmm. so Shadow Isles has always been a faction that plays internally at, you know, as one of the best because you can just cherry pick the pieces. That's why Cursed Keeper shows up. If Cursed Keeper and the Last Gas package was really so as linear and, at, well, not even as linear, but as, um, you know, isolating as, say, the Crimson package in Noxus, right? Um, or the... Uh, Zed ephemeral packages in Ionia, where there's really not a lot of cohesion with the rest of the faction, right? Even though it's cool. If that, you know, if that was the case, then Viego would start to feel more shoehorned into, you know, another faction that can trigger uh, a lot of ally deaths. But in the fact, the fact of the matter is Ionia is entirely, or not Ionia, excuse me, Shadow Isles is entirely built as this things die and we profit. Even, no matter what variant you want that is what it does things die we profit so um you know viego they can just go and cherry pick pieces preferably probably protection um you know that will that Mm -hmm. will help in that they don't even need callista to me i I actually don't i don't like callista in it because if i'm playing callista i want to win with callista because you get callista leveled and she will run your opponent out of resources so fast i mean she literally has to take a blocker that she then doesn't die to every single turn that she gets attacked. So like to me she's a faster Viego. Like I can I bet you I could take a a Callista deck and win the game on average faster, you know, than somebody who's playing Viego. 
right? Because it's not slaying. It's not about killing and, and playing stall and removing their stuff. You have to kill your own stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. um, uh, to me, I'm looking at uh, Freljord as always. I feel like I always freaking look at Freljord because, uh, duh, troll chant, ridiculous freaking card. Um, but I'm also looking at Demacia, like uh, uh, Gibby said, and you said. I, I don't know about Shivana, but at least Demacia. I think there's a lot of good defensive stuff. Um, I like barrier on things. I think Targon's going to be a miss for me because they're all about protecting their stuff, healing things up, buffing their things. And that's actually like pretty counterpoint to what's going on here. I also like Noxus. I like the ability to... Um, put big attack buffs on your little things so that you can trade up on defense. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there, though, and and I, uh, I'm i sure people will be tinkering with it. I'm not saying there's not going to be a cool deck or a fun deck. I just don't think there's going to be a top-tier deck with Viego. Now let me round out all of the factions that you listed with the one that mm-hmm. you didn't list is Oh, Ionia. I meant to say no, that, actually. <laughs> I actually, I actually think so the build that I would, if I'm going to make a Viego build, what I want to do is I want to replace Zed with Viego in an ephemeral build because there is a bit of Deathmark synergy as a as the encroaching uh, little ephemeral, the encroaching mists mm-hmm. grow. I think you get a bigger payoff of using the ephemeral um, Deathmark on your opponent's uh, units to try to play that because they're already spawning and summoning. There's a little bit more of a mana efficiency there. Um, I also would really be interested on trying to, if you can find a cohesive, it's really going to be about the early game. I also think now that I've already talked about this card before, but Twin yep. Disciplines, yep, yep, yep. that's a pretty effective uh, protection. Yeah, and you just those, 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 those are two those are two protection. Along with Nopify, if they're trying to use spells yep. to kill mm-hmm. kill Viego, uh, or or even just run Deny. Like there's there there's a decent amount of protection in Ionia. If you can put up together a cohesive early game um, that runs around some ephemerals, uh, which should be very easy to do because of how cohesive just Shadow Isles early game is, it's insane, right exactly right. It's so like so you we just didn't run... know what to put with uh, Nasus. You just oh just take all of Shadow Isles early game and put it with Nasus and yeah. win everything. I'm sorry, now, go ahead. Now we're cool. So now you yeah. so just run an early game that has some board presence that spawns out some ephemerals so that way. Um, you start thinking about a Hecarim level up. You drop Viego. He puts an Encroaching Mist on the board. There's another Ephemeral. Then you drop Hecarim, attack with Hecarim. Hecarim spawns a bunch of Ephemerals, which all are going to die. Even if Hecarim dies, you level up Viego. And now Viego starts to steal your, steal his stuff. So I think that's the build that I want to make. Dang. Um, I mean, honestly, though, Hecarim would cause so much allied attack power to go down on right that's my thought i was like i was like if you if you want to drop viego drop hecarim open swing you now realistically can get viego quick like that's the only way i see it happen i have i have two thoughts on that because i think it's i think it's a great you know concept um i i do wonder if like because i feel like we haven't really run into this too often a lot of times when you have an expensive champ you pair it with another cheap champ um, to kind of get mm-hmm. some, I mean, let's be honest, like champions have significantly more value than the other units of their cost, intentionally so. That's why you can only run six, right? But I do wonder mm-hmm. how much um, a deck would feel flat um, ha- having to wait till five and six to hit either of your champions, 
You know what I mean? I mean, they really are that big of an influencer uh, in the outcome of game. So I do wonder about that. The other thing I want to like mildly complain about Viego, although I, I'm glad it isn't different. I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I, can, I think of Viego as like a um, Yasuo, like uh, easy to blow up the combos, but then once it's online, it, it creates negative fun experiences. <laughs> um, and uh, but I will say his uh, ability each round the first time an ally dies, summon an encroaching mist. It is a slight bit of anti synergy with ephemeral because if you like, if you consider, oh, my ephemerals are going to die and that's going to level Viego, true, but it's also going to make those encroaching mists, you know, a non factor in combat. If you're, you know, if you're swinging with your ephemerals and then they die, oh, cool, I summon an encroaching mist. Well, it's uh, just going to die now. Um, now, I understand that that it buffs Viego, no doubt. But I'm just saying, mm -hmm. like, ideally, I think in a, in, a, in a perfect world, you'd have ways to consistently trigger the deaths so that you can keep pressuring with these mists, forcing your opponent to spend the removal so they don't die, right? Uh, and if you're running with ephemerals, these encroaching mists are, are often going, they're going to have a harder time triggering before you swing um, and probably, you know, have a hard time triggering before they swing too because you either have to drop a glimpse on something before they attack, which normally you hold glimpse to wait to see how they swing and what, you know, tricks they use. Um, or you'd have to, uh, if they open swing, you just can't do it. Um, so it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I, I think his, as cool as the encroaching mists are, it's going to be hard to use those bodies in combat, um, you know, to pressure or to defend with. So um, I think they're really more useful for their buffs. Um, otherwise, well, they clearly go with the they clearly go with the dragons, right? The dragons yeah. that want to strike mm -hmm. one of your allies when they come into play, and it and it, it clearly goes with like dragon chow, sure, sure, sure. And, um, you know, egg hat research or whatever that like you're going to strike those things, gain a benefit from it, summon an encroaching mist. But once again. Viego not coming down till five. You've probably yep. done all of that already before he ever hits. And the board if he and comes down on five, you're not summoning another ally until turn six. And if you are, it's a yeah, three or a four not, yeah. cost or a two or a four cost dragon. I mean, that's that's a little <laughs> underwhelming compared to maybe Hecarim, <laughs> you know. So it's it's just not clear. I, I really like where your head is, though, Gibby. Uh, I I love where your head is. It just says, "No, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my Viego down, and then I'm gonna attack with my Hecarim and." I'm gonna dang near level him up in one. Like if I have a leveled Star up Hecarim that attacks, and in right. Shark Chariots, like right. Which would that is be going to probably level Viego on turn six. Like and either you kill my Hecarim. <laughs> if you kill my Hecarim, okay, great. That's six damage that just died, and that's almost a uh, that's almost a quarter. Actually, it's over a quarter of his of his level uh, Viego's level up. And if Viego levels up. Okay, I'm stealing your strongest stuff that's left after you had to block my entire ephemeral board. And every single turn, I'm just going to steal your strong stuff. You know, Zed um, and Hecarim are, it was more like you wanted one of them. Getting the both of them together wasn't always super effective because uh, when you swing, you you run space. out of board space. You don't get the max value. Not that you always have to get the max value, but just just saying. Um, mm. So, I mean, that that's a great point to, to think about you know, like you said, replacing Zed because Zed was that consistency angle. Okay, so then now you're playing a more sl like a slower paced ephemeral list, um, probably like Dark Water Scourges mm -hmm. and and stuff like that and uh, Death Marks and whatnot. I, it's an interesting, yeah, uh, interesting approach. Yeah, 
Well, there's also a spell that's come with this, and it's Viego's, uh, you know, signature spell as champion spell. But in addition, you can slot it. It's a four mana slow spell from Shadow Isles that's common called Despair that reads, pick a unit to strike your nexus, then kill it. And uh, I was listening to Mogwai's uh, conversation about this and pointed out something that I found really interesting, which is this is one of the first cards that have said, use your health as a resource for removal. This is four mana removal, four mana vengeance uh, that's at slow speed, which is, you know, to be noted. Um, we have crunch, right, which is a five mana slow speed kill a unit, but you have to sacrifice one of your own. This is saying you don't have to sacrifice one of your own. Just let this thing punch you in the face and you can remove their zillion before say, it levels up. Take one damage to crunch? face, remove zillion. Uh, crunch what is it crumble that's what it crumble, is crumble crumble i was sitting sorry, there crunch, crunch what, what yeah i'm sitting there like cracking crunch. my brain what like heck what is, is crunch i, I want a yeah, crunch now i want now. a card called crunch <laughs> you know, i'm i'm sitting here thinking this card is insane it's not so useful against wanting to remove something big when you're under pressure because then it's just striking your face anyway um but it is really useful against in some matchups where your opponent's wanting to yep. back lane yep, yep, champions yep, yep, yep. like uh, like Ezreal, um, like backlaning uh, Zillion, like backlaning Heimerdinger, Aphelios. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm perfectly willing to take three <laughs> damage or two damage or one yeah. damage to face to remove your win con. Like, <laughs> oh no, really little cool. Heimerdinger punched me in the face. Oh darn. <laughs> yeah. Where, whereas, like with Crumble, what happens often is you slow spell it, and that that deck has enough reactionary tools to kill off you're the thing, the, like the spider or the curse keeper that you're trying to crumble. They kill it and make Crumble fail, and then you wasted five mana, and they've used you know two mana. And here, Despair says, like, well, you're not going to kill me, so you're either going to syncopate this, you're going to give it spell shield, or I'm killing it and only taking a few damage to my face. I think this card is incredible. I love despair. I think this is a great tool for Shadow Isles. I I uh, think despair is insane. Uh, it's I, I really do. Um, however, however, it's a it is a difficult one to use optimally. You have to weigh the situation because, and, and this is going to freaking happen. I promise. It's, it's gonna, gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Going. Someone's gonna be like. Oh no, like they're about to they're about to I need to kill this thing before they attack. I'm gonna play crumble. Oh, battle buff, fury. Buff, 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 buff. <laughs> Eat twelve. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's gonna happen. But the, who has the best healing in the game? It, it's it's Targon and Shadow Isles. So, you know, Shadow sure. Isles can regain that. They can play a lot of lifesteal and drain and, and all sorts of stuff. So um I mean, I do think it's going to be, but it's just a higher, it, it comes with, it, it's going to get punished by a lot of, by lower skill players are going to get punished by this. Um, or, or, or peop, but, huh, high skill players are going to punish this, but other high skill players are going to know the situations in which despair could be punished and not play it then. I, I, I'm skeptical if it's ever going to be a three buy, but I, I'm going to put one or two copies and Probably almost every Shadow Isles deck that isn't straight aggro. Uh, yes, I, I yes. totally agree with that. Sometimes yeah. I might put it in aggro deck because it's a cheap piece of removal um, to get rid of a pop problematic yeah. card. You know, well, and I think it actually helps that it's for mana. I mean, it, I think that's properly costed. Maybe even you could justify maybe even one more, but I like that it's at four um, because it also makes it non nobifiable mm -hmm. which is a very small 
cost yep. to kill such a what seems to be a very powerful spell. So there's there's investment from the opponent's perspective of okay, how do I play around this? If this isn't if this is out there and I know it's out there, what deck choices am I making to mitigate the possibility? What am I holding in hand that in case he does this to my important champion, how am I how am I mitigating the the, the bad effect of this? Um, versus a just a very mm-hmm. low skill um, auto occlusion of oh, nopeify. We'll see if I get a nopeify by the time he he plays this. Nope. Okay, there's nothing I could have done about it anyway. Um, yeah, I like that. It's, it's I think card. that it's it's and it's appropriately mm-hmm. slow yeah, for slow as, as good yeah. of a card as it is. Oh oh oh! I don't want to think about this. This would card be disgusting at best. Oh my god! I don't think about it. I, I do want to. It's it's bad enough that your opponent can almost never interact with this card. Like it's just almost always going to work. Um, I we don't have much removal that does that outside of vengeance, and this comes down three turns earlier than vengeance. Uh, I, I want to. Yeah. This would be scary. I suggest something here because we've kind of already touched on Camaborn Soldier and about to the extent that I feel is is necessary. Um, you know, just sure. for the record, it's a three mana three three Shadow Isles when I'm summoned, summon an encroaching mist. Um, so it's just, we already talked about its value to get Viego down a little bit more statted before you, you know, continue. But, um, so I don't feel like we really need to have a discussion on that. Do you guys, um, no, but I, I would say the only other place where this might see is if you are playing ephemerals and shark chariots, this is a really strong card because it is a three mana three, three body. That's going to stick around that will summon an ephemeral that you can then attack with to summon back shark chariots. And a lot of times that can be a problem in those ephemeral decks, but Uh, but I do want to ask a question here um, and and just pitch it to you guys and see what you guys think. This is something I've been thinking a lot about. Um, uh, in uh, Legend of the Five Rings, which could be played uh, as well. Um, you have my attention. The developer, the, the lead designer, had a really big uh, problem when it came to uh, overdeveloping certain regions that he had a really good idea of what they want to do and how they want to play. And, and clearly, I mean, I don't want to say favoritism, but I think unintentionally, overpowered certain regions because those are the regions he had a good idea of like what would be cool do we think shadow isles is the overperforming region because there is all of these clean powerful and cohesive cards that keep getting released it seems like more than any other faction in this game the devs have a very clear vision for shadow isles and i sometimes question um you know, the vision that they have for other factions, which have these more sporadic kind of all over the place themes. Like they're, they're just kind of dipping their toes into certain things and then backing off of it. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking kind of Noxus to an extent, not that Noxus is weak, but that, you know, Noxus has some, has, has had in the past some identity crisis issues. Um, Ionia has as well. And, and really we've been talking a lot about Ionia's strength and it only is because they seem to be buffing the crap out of the spells. Like you can take, I mean, in any other faction, a, a, a twin disciplines would be, I mean, un ungodly. I think if if you you took twin disciplines and if you put that in Noxus or Demacia or if you put that in Freljord, even, I mean, I I think this would be we'd see the results kind of um, tenfold, right? Um, so my my point mm. is, and I'm not trying to criticize necessarily, but I'm just trying to ask the question. Do we think that 
Shadow Isles is like, you know, the the favorite child here. Do we think that a lot of these that 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 there's a clearer picture for where Shadow Isles is going than a lot of the other factions? Because that's something that I've felt, especially over these last couple sets. I agree with that assessment when I consider the past of Legends of the Five Rings. I think Shadow Isles is there. There's something that I think that's important to note with this is there are going to be concepts that are clearer than others. There are going to be themes that are easier to build around than others. Not all keywords, not all concepts are built equally. They're not all as easy to be creative around. Some of them are enablers while others are the end effects as we're talking about granting something elusive versus killing off your own units and getting a buff from that. Like there are there are different there are different themes clearly within each of the regions and Shadow Isles just seems to have the most cohesive and most well put together and still surprisingly as we're finding out through this ruination event a pretty wide amount of uh creative space for them to continue to find different ways to utilize the kill mechanics and put things in shadow wilds that feel thematic that feel right i think part of what shadow wilds it being this undead region of ghosts and spooky <laughs> stuff if anything gets put in shadow wilds that doesn't fit with that it's going to be very apparent it's going to be very clear and stepchild like if you put something in shadow wilds that doesn't have doesn't fit the rest of so, the theme where to be clear are you saying so i just that think i just think it, it creates shadow wilds in and of itself is actually limiting as a faction kind of what i'm saying is i think there is there's limitations to the flavor that they have to put in cards within that region but the concept that the cards mechanically are built around is so wide because killing off your own things is such a natural part of this game where they had to get creative from the groundbreak with Ionia with recall. Like recall isn't a natural part of the game. Killing things and things dying is a natural part of the game. So mm -hmm. you so you have a more you have a bigger basis for what you can build around that. I think things being harder to kill and stat lines are through stat lines and and creating wider boards and buffing, that is a natural part of the game, which to a degree why I think Demacia feels so unified. They may have some very narrow decks and maybe the devs struggled to figure out where they can go with that. I think they did a fantastic thing with Fury. I think Fury reinvigorated Demacia very well with the Dragon package, where we all are wondering at one point why Demacia felt stagnant and where they were going to go with it outside of just the soldier with a plate and shield like that just like and, and sword like what what, what else are they going to do a soldier that? with like a plate of food now just a, <laughs> just a yeah. servant yes. your meals though <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. um but yeah i think demacia i would say from a i think demacia and shadow isles have very clear to your point the idea of the evil bad guys that are trying to storm with war of Noxus, the the monks and their discipline. Like you've got thoughts there, you've got themes, but they don't necessarily just based on the theme lend themselves to a mechanic in the game outside of the creativity that the devs can come up with. 
Targon having to create the invoke, talking to the Celestials and, and pulling down from them and putting more cards in your hand. That is a creative concept that they came up with and birthed for sure. that region to fit the theme. Killing things is just natural. And I think that's why Shadow Wild seems so overpowered at times or feels so much more cohesive yeah. is because the, the basis of their region is a basis of the mechanic of the game. Mark? I think that, I mean, my opinion is Shadow Isles is just the theming is really kick-ass. <laughs> and because of that, and nerds love it. Like, nerds love the theming of this. Like, my wife's not a nerd. She would have no interest whatsoever in undead things and spirits and ghosts and ghosties. But most nerds love it. It's easy to make themed, themed things around it. It's exciting. Um, I think they're, I don't know that it's favoritism. I think that in this case, I don't think the LOR team had a choice about coming in on the Ruination event. I think they were told we're doing a crossover with Ruination. Viego's going to come in. I think that if they had done a crossover event and it had done like a really awesome card from Noxus. So I, I think there might be more truth to the fact that Shadow Isles is a favored faction for League of Legends and Riot Esports ah. as a whole. Mm. Um, you know, because because Viego is such a storied character, right? Such I mean, a storied character. And I, I don't think that LOR as a team necessarily had a choice on, uh, you know, in this case. But I do agree with the fact that Shadow Isles is more cohesive than a lot of the other factions. Seems to continue to be so. And they continue to build powerful stuff. Yeah, it just feels like that, they have a know? clear identity and, and a clearer vision for the faction. Not, I don't believe there's favoritism, by the way. I, I want to make that clear. I, I really don't. There's a lot of there's there's so much passion that you can tell goes into the champions when they get released because they are they are all just so unique and interesting. And that's one of the things that makes this game great. I, I'm just and I'm not even complaining. I'm just I've been feeling this every time I see Shadow Isles card, I go, oh, yeah, wow. Uh okay. You know, and even my criticism of Viego, I think, A, goes a little against the grain of what a lot of people have been talking about. Not that I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but more that, like, it may not be tier one. That's kind of, you know, I mean, there are so much in this game that's not tier one, but that can be, you know, but that can be played. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I guess just I, I see the these cards and I say, man, I, I just... I just feel this understanding, like the devs truly understand what it takes to make a good Shadow Isles card, and that, that very few Shadow Isles cards these days are misses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's very rare mm -hmm. for a Shadow Isles card to miss the mark and end up being collection fodder. Well, it's so funny because early in the game, that was truth for Callista. And when they reworked Callista, that stopped being because Callista was garbage. It was like the one champion that everyone's like, nobody can make. That was the joke. Callista was like, nobody can make Callista good in closed beta and open beta. And now that, of course, isn't the case. Like, you know, oh, pretty much every Shadow Wilds champion has a place. They've done yeah. a very good job with that. Well, and to that point, I think you also have to be very careful with Shadow Wilds or the devs have to be very careful, careful with Shadow Wilds because if they create something too powerful, in that region, it's very hard to nerf it back unless they directly affect the card that recently came sure. in and made itself and, and well, kind of broke it. Bad. It, it like, was too powerful. Devs are almost always going to shy away from nerfing the thing they just released. Because if yeah. you, if, if let's say you release a new card and it creates a problem uh, because it's now using another card that already exists, 
odds are because Shadow Isles is so cohesive, if you nerf the pre-existing card that was already in the game, there's yeah, another one right next up. to it that probably fits the same, yeah, probably fits the same mold true. or same theme that you could just replace it with. It's just that's that's the danger of having such a cohesive faction. That uh, if you yeah. if things become too powerful together as a region, you will have to nerf the region as yeah. a whole. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, let's move on and talk about two other cards. We're only going to address two others because they're Noxus and Shadow Isle esque. Um, and uh, being we're doing sort of ruination theme right now, and we're going to jump into Sentinels and uh, the episode later this week. Uh, let's talk about the Ruined Reckoner. Ruined Reckoner, four mana, four three from Noxus says when I'm summoned, create a Midnight Raid in hand. Midnight Raid, zero out, zero mana, slow spell, fleeting. An ally starts a free attack. I have to admit, I think this card is really cool. I don't know how good it is. I mean, four mana, four three is not good stat line. It's not the best stat line. It's not the worst stat line. Um, it's still relatively aggressive, but a free attack is valuable. You have to use it the turn that you get it. Um, but is this something, I mean, we're, we're seeing them explore more and more into the uh, the realm of free attacks. We see that now with Cataclysm with Demacia. We're seeing it with Midnight Raid. We're seeing it in Ionia with Blade Dance. Lots of we're seeing it in Bilgewater uh, with the the new lurk uh, you know lurk fish. Uh, lots of factions are getting the options of grabbing a free attack. Um, uh, what do you guys think about uh, Ruined Reckoner? I like it. I think it's cool. I think Midnight Raid's a cool card. This will help flesh out my idea of making a Pike Noxus deck because this will help Pike get an extra attack in. Um, I also think this is actually a pretty good tool for aggro uh, for for pirate noxus aggro because creating sure. a free attack even on de defense with that what interests me about this card is that it's not upon play it's upon summon that it creates that spell in hand so you've even got another really good target if you are going to try to make a, a concurrent timelines deck for a four cost that is an awesome card to pull off mm -hmm. um, if you were playing something like gluttony mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you you can Let's let's say you put the only two four drops that you put in your deck are Crocolisk and Gluttony, or Crocolisk and this. You're either going to get a four cost seven seven, or you're going to get something that has a free attack. That is awesome. This is a really good card, I think, specifically because of the entry level of it only being when I'm summoned, not necessarily. You could even you could shoot. You could even play this card, and then you can, um, the what's the four cost card in Shadow Wilds that kills something and then resummons it. Uh, Chronicler of Ruin. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, so if you Chronicler of Ruin, this thing dies, pops back up, you now get another free attack. Like, there's there's a lot of different ways that you could use Liza's card. Yeah, DBM, what do you think about Ruin Reckoner? Um, <clears throat> I was really excited when I when I saw it, and I got less excited the more I thought about it. Um, I think it's it's clearly great with um, where you're going really tall in a deck, and, and you're getting a big super unit with Overwhelm and High Attack and Quick Attack and all that good stuff. So Riven has a natural kind of, I think, uh, pairing with mm -hmm. this. I think this is going to be good for Riven. Um, but Riven's not very good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. so like, uh, it, might may, it, it might be great in Riven, uh, but then again, it might not because Riven's not good. And um, if you, going tall is is in card games, it's crazy, man. Going tall in most card games is is honestly is almost always weaker than going wide. Um, the way that uh, a lot of card games design their removal is such that um, 
you know, one for one stuff at a certain point, uh, you know, doesn't scale in cost. So that's why you'll see something like, and, and and for the record, LOR does better at this than say like Tesla did. Tesla would have like, here's a five mana kill anything. So if you play a big 10 mana mm-hmm. thing with huge stats, well, you they just got a crazy mana efficient play. And it's a one for one removal. You play one thing, I play my thing. Who came out on top in that situation? It's really just comes down to how much mana you committed. So like, when you have units sure. in LOR and you're committing these, you know, especially if you're committing like spells and lasting buffs and other cards in hand towards supporting it, um, you run the risk of it just being like, oh, I just built up this dope ribbon and will and vengeance and that one mana silence thing that you get from the dumbass invoke. Like, it's, I hate that card, by the way. Equinox, I think is what it's called. It is the stupidest mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I hate like that. that that exists. I hate that. I hate Crescent Strike. I hate Invoke. Um, I like Invoke in theory. I just don't like some of the cards in it. Um, but anyways, I, I, I'm not certain that Ruined Reckoner does enough in this situation because I think that um, you know, you're already trying to push damage through with these Overwhelm units, and that's the only situation I really see Ruined Reckoner thriving because I don't, I can't think of any champs that particularly benefit from um that particularly benefit from like triggering an attack like a misfortune i think that if this uh was bilgewater tagged you could say like oh wow like this could be a really cool way to trigger misfortune and still get a body on board you know um this could be a great way for quinn or whatever to get an extra attack so like in those situations that could be really interesting um but i just um I'm not hating on it. I I just will have to wait and see and wait to get my hands on it to see. Because if, the, my God, if that wasn't fleeting, we would be having another conversation. Sure. The fact that you have to use it, it the just, turn that it's you play so it does its effect. It's so limited. Because what that means mm-hmm. is it's not that you have to use it on the turn you played it. It's that you have to use it on the turn that you were now down four mana because you played the Reckoner. Like you don't have, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you don't have that extra thing. Like if if you if this was just like, you can't play it on curve with no with no spell man right banked. because you you know you don't get to support it. You want to be able to trigger a free attack at an optimal time. You don't just want to trigger a random free attack because then they'll just block it, right? You need to be able to play these things in optimal situations, or in the case of Aurelia, a million times in a row until your opponent cries. You know, um, <laughs> sure, sure. That's the only way it yeah, ends. Yeah, right. Tears. So I just, uh, I, I think it's really cool. Love the, love the, uh, the art. I love the idea. I like the card. I just am questioning mm-hmm. its, its, um, its efficacy. So, got it. Well, let's wrap this one up with talking about retired Reckoner, which is a five mana Noxus card. So one more than the ruined Reckoner. He's a two six with overwhelm. So he does get overwhelmed, but he's a lot lower attack. But he also reads, when you target me, grant me plus one plus zero. So this is a great target for all of those Noxus attack buffs cards. I mean, this with Riven is just kind of nutty. I mean, you throw, you know, the three burst or, you know, focus speed Riven spells on this. This goes up. This gets quick attack. It gets plus five plus zero. Um, that seems pretty good. Uh, plus five plus zero and quick attack on this with overwhelm. This is what then a seven six. And then you create the blade that you can throw on Riven after she's leveled up. Um, 
I mean, uh, there's some opportunities there. It does seem like this card naturally pairs with Riven just because it makes it so easy to target him with the blade fragments. But there are all, I mean, there's arguably other ways to do this as well, right? I mean, it's, it, it basically makes, you know, your brother's bond a little bit better. It makes your might a little bit better. It makes your uh, potion of fury or whatever a little bit better. There's a lot of, you know, cards that just get better when targeted on this that when you want to push damage, plus you get the overwhelm. Um, uh, you know, built in on this card. Um, and he has a big, thick butt. So five mana, two, six is not easy to remove. You're almost certainly going to get to attack with this and, and potentially pump it up as well. Um, so I don't know, uh, Ruined Reckoner, any any thoughts on this? I mean, my initial thoughts, right, Riven, but beyond that, I don't I don't know where this goes. Um, maybe in an, another aggro list that isn't going super wide um, because otherwise you would just play crowd favorite, right? The that gets all the buffs and has Overwhelm on him, rather than having to compare this guy with multiple buff cards, um, in my my opinion, anyway. But, uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on him. Give me your DBN thoughts on him. has a very, very devious smile on his face while he twiddles his thumbs because I have a bad feeling there is something he's going to abuse with this. Gems, 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 gems. Oh, my God, please. So... I yeah, Riven and gems. gems. So let's go. Yep. This card gets better, not by being buffed with big spells, because the smaller the spell, the less mana that yep. you commit with the with. If you play more small buffs or spells and things to it, it with with it targets. That's how you're, you're abusing the 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 buff mechanic with this, and especially since gems you stick can around, generate them also for free free hand presence. Like it's like it's well, amazing. Well, also, let's say it's got such a big butt on it. Let's say you drop it on defense and you block with it, and then you have gems. Gems also heal. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Gems also heal the unit if it's this not at full this health. This minotaur's got so, a rump, dude. Like, yeah, pack and back yeah. is a lot to get. Through. It is. It's Remember when Jack the Winner through. was a five six? Like that card was potent. Uh, five five, not yeah, playable. It's, well, it's weird, right? <laughs> like that's so weird. But yeah, it was being played a lot at five six, but then he moves to five five, and again the the Kendrid Viega very, effect, right? But well, and a very common, not very common, but a popular in in this current time, big piece of removal outside of just the ever classic vengeance is monster harpoon, which this doesn't die well, to. Plus, plus, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about. Um, you know, playing a lot of, of cheap spells, what does that do? You play a lot of spells on this guy, you're really committing, right? Just like I just talked about how it's bad to go tall, right? You're really committing to this guy to getting him big, swinging in, doing a lot of damage, healing him up. Well, you not only have one, but two cards in Targon that cycle themselves away and buff and target. You have the one that heals... <laughs> which you want on this guy and draws a card. And you have the one that gives plus one, plus one and draws a card. You have pale cascade guiding touch. You have the gem package with like, there's a, there's a, the one drop that just gives you a free one. You've got the mentor of the stones, which when it dies, gives you three free. You've got the mountain goat, obviously. Right. But then you also have all the riven packages, which are going to reforge. You're generating this massive hand of garbage, right? By itself that gets, extra value on top of this guy or ribbon big hand of mediocrity sure well i mean let's be (laughs) let's be real like i I mean i'm not saying gems are just straight garbage i'm just saying like in a bubble they don't do a lot right 
And so they're they're more just like sure. supplementary things. That's why you see them. You really only see them played like with Lee Sen, where you're like trying to trigger a lot of spells. That's the benefit of the gems is triggering a lot of spells. It's not the effect of it necessarily. And this guy not only benefits from the actual effects of the gems, you're not just playing them for spell fodder. You actually benefit from the gem effect, right? But you're also not like suffering from the weakness I just talked about with Ruined Reckoner because you are generating these things for free, not forfeiting like a Brothers Bond or whatever, a, a hand slot. So it's it's... You find this with Mentor of the Stones. Mentor of the Stones buffs this to a 4-8 permanently, and then you, you just, just continue going, to right. scale from there. But this I thing is scary. What it's also is that, like, uh, it's redundancy for Riven, right? Like, Riven mm-hmm. wants to get big, swing in, pressure, like, have a 12, you know, 6 stat line with overwhelming quick attack and yada, yada, yada. Okay, if they finally deal with her, drop this guy, start all over. If you miss Riven, drop this guy, keep going. You know what I mean? Like, I love this. I love this for sure. Riven. I love this for uh, Noxus as a as like a fun. It, you know what it reminds me of? Reminds me of Swole Squirrel. Maybe not as memey, but like that's still like, hey, I can play a mm-hmm. unit that can, like a follower that can win me the game. You know, based on getting really really big. And you know what? It may not be incredible, but it'll be really really fun on the way. Well, and maybe sure. even it gives some validity to Wild Claws. Yeah, it could. Has has overwhelm printed, which I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like you always have to watch out when overwhelm is printed on a unit. Sure, well, and yeah, it's it, very strong. Well, and it makes it that you don't have to use that overwhelm mm-hmm. shard on him. You can use it on something else, sure, giving yeah. another thing overwhelm because this won't be the only unit that you play on board in a package like this. I just think it's. I think it's. So I think it's great. It. I don't. I don't. It's. It's a bit narrow in, in the because it well. I, I say that, but with all of the new cards of the uh, champion that we're going to be um, talking about next episode, this also pairs very well with that. So there's there's synergy with upcoming things as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's all kinds of stuff to, to look at, and we are also very excited the, to see the, what's coming the out. Sonic Fist thing, you know, where you give Challenger and then what is that thing called? Challenger and also resonating plus two, plus two. yeah. Also leasing yeah. spell, mm-hmm. whatever that thing is. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There, there's a lot of. I mean, here's the point, guys, and we're gonna wrap up the show because we're coming back. We're gonna talk about the event um, because you're gonna have to choose which direction you want to go with the event. Whether you're gonna go Sentinels of Light or you're going to be going uh, the direction of the Ruination, and mm-hmm. you're gonna unlock unique cosmetics that are true to just your side. You will not be able to do both. Um, after you complete one, you can do the second one, but you will not get the unique cosmetics that are only true to one. So we are going to be getting our first faction loyalty-esque thing in the game, and we're going to dive in deep on that conversation. This is what DBN and I have been talking about for some time, and I know Gibbles is also hopefully a fan of, um, or maybe hopefully he's not, so we can have a conversation about it. Nope, um, I like, like it. everything. Okay, Stop great. it. So I like, I like everything. <laughs> we like it all. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about the new champion and the rest of the cards that are coming out with Sentinels on the episode coming up. And then we're also going to be talking about the new cosmetics because it looks like we are going to be getting three um, new skins, uh, Shavana, uh, Karma, and Draven. And then it looks like we're going to be getting Riven 
uh, Irelia and uh, Diana, one, isn't it? And That's Diana cool. uh, and Diana for Sentinels of Light, along with the two new champions, which is really cool. We're going to be getting new boards. We're going to be getting new card backs. We're going to be getting a new event track. Everything is starting up this upcoming Wednesday. So we are going to be recording our episode on Monday, and then we're going to release it on Tuesday this upcoming week. So on Tuesday into Wednesday, you're going to be able to listen to our thoughts on all the cards, all the cosmetics, everything coming to LOR. Listen to this. Come back again on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. EST. We're going to release another episode then as long as, you know, nothing traumatic happens between now and then that prevents us from doing so. And we're going to be having that discussion. Really, really excited for everything that LOR is doing. Pumped about that. Want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. And I hope you enjoyed this extra episode this week. And, uh, and be sure to come back again later this upcoming week for another episode of Legends Cast. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.